It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I live in a small town in central Alabama, and on nearly all sides, my town is surrounded by a forest. Growing up, I never thought anything of the forest. Many kids would play in it. We'd get our hands on BB guns and play war games. Some of my friends and I would build forts out there. Nothing about it ever scared me. That was until someone went missing. I was in ninth grade when it happened. The kid that went missing was in 6th grade. My town has a population of around 1200, so there weren't many suspects that the police could go off of. The days of searching turned up nothing. After the 5th day, the search was called off, and the boy was declared missing. It was our little town's tragedy. For the next couple of years, no one allowed their kids into the forest, for obvious reasons. Every year, there'd be a ceremony to remember the kid, and all of the schools would let out early that day. Once again, however, more people went missing during a hunting trip. I was the only survivor. It was the end of my senior year, and to celebrate, my dad wanted to take me on a hunting trip. I was never really into hunting like he was, but I decided to tag along, since I didn't spend too much time with my dad. He brought along two of his buddies, Randy, who was around 5'10 and had shaggy brown hair, and Hector, who was 6'1, slightly chubby, and had balding blonde hair. I hadn't really interacted with them before the trip, so it was a little awkward at first. My dad said we'd be in the woods for a good long time. He had planned for us to go early in the morning and come back late at night. He told me to pack whatever drinks and snacks I wanted. I only brought waters for my drinks, because I didn't want to get dehydrated. As for snacks, I brought the classics. Little Debbie's, chips, etc. I was given a 300 Winchester Magnum for my rifle. I'd shot guns before, so I wasn't worried about misfiring or missing my target. The day we were going, I was woken up at like 4am by Hector. He told me that my dad and Randy were just about ready. I got up and put the clothes that I had picked out for the day on. When I went out to the kitchen to grab my iced coffee out of the fridge, I saw my dad and his two friends outside smoking. I could hear them loudly laughing and talking about old times. I got my things ready and after a couple of minutes of being awake, I stepped outside with my bag over one arm and rifle over the other. Hey there buddy, ready to go? My dad asked tossing his cig on the walkway and grinding it with his shoe. Sure am. I got everything I need. At the time, I was excited, just to hang out with the grown-ups and see what my dad got up to. We made our way to my dad's truck, where Randy and Hector decided to ride in the bed instead of using their own cars. I sat up front next to my dad, who was starting the truck when I climbed in. 
It was just barely starting to get to dawn. The sky still that deep early morning blue. The temperature was around 70 degrees Fahrenheit. The high that day would be around 87. Not too bad. As we drove to the hunting grounds, Hector and Randy got tossed around in the back because the roads in town were not very well maintained. So how do you feel about going on this trip with your old man and my fellow idiots back there? He gave a hearty chuckle. I'm pretty excited. I'm glad you brought them along. They seem nice enough. Yeah, I figured it would have been boring just the two of us. And hey, you hadn't really talked to them up to this point, so why not, you know? The drive was about 10 minutes. Along the way, my dad and I had a nice chat about life and everything that had been going on in each other's lives. Meanwhile, Randy and Hector were arguing about who missed shots more often. It got kind of heated, and my dad slammed on the brakes, which tossed them into the cab. My dad busted out laughing when he did this, and the way he laughed made it seem like it was the funniest thing in the world. Randy and Hector did not share the same amusement. We made it to the hunting grounds, and another truck was already there. It had a thin layer of dirt over it, which anything around my town got if you didn't clean it regularly. We got out and grabbed our things before making our way down to the trail. My dad commented about some good spots to start with before we went deeper into the woods. We set up a spot about half a mile down the trail. Hector immediately upon sitting down pulled a drink out of his bag. He tossed one to me and to Randy. I instinctively caught it, but then I realized I shouldn't have and tried to hand it back. Come on now, you can drink that, you're an adult now. Hector said. I just don't really like it, but thank you for the offer. He shrugged and took it back. Randy accepted the offer for free booze and began to drink his rapidly. My dad got my attention quietly and pointed out towards the hill in the distance. It was hard to make out exactly what he was pointing at in the early morning light, but I'm sure it was a deer. Ready to see the first one of the day, guys? He got everyone's attention to try to show off how good a shot he was. However, right when he was about to pull the trigger, Randy slapped him in the back of the head. This caused him to miss aim and completely miss the deer, which ran away. Randy cackled like a madman afterwards, exclaiming about how it was payback for earlier. I'll admit it got a chuckle out of me as well. We waited at that spot a couple more minutes before moving on. When we got to the next spot, I thought I saw someone off in the woods, away from any trail. I pointed it out to my dad, who thought the person must be an idiot. Going off on the trails is a good way to get shot. Whoever it was seemed just slightly taller than the average person, but this wasn't really enough to make me nervous or anything like that. As everyone was setting up, the person vanished into a thicker area of trees and was gone from sight. I didn't think much of it. By this point in the trip, enough time had passed that the sun was now above the horizon and the lighting was much better. I managed to hit a deer, getting it. Everybody seemed happy that I was able to do it on my first try. But like I said, I wasn't that big into hunting, so I wasn't terribly excited. The morning passed peacefully. Every now and again, I could catch glimpses of the dude moving throughout the trees. I never could get a good look at him because of how far away he was. It never crossed my mind that he might be following us. 
Another thing that never crossed my mind is that we never heard anyone else shooting, despite the fact that someone's truck was in the parking area. The day was fairly uneventful. We did the usual hunting things, like getting deer, comparing accuracies, and what have you. By around evening, I'd say we were about six or seven miles into the hunting trail, and I was starting to get tired. I carried on, however, because I was having fun. We made it to the next spot, and when we got set up, we smelled rot. Now this didn't really catch our attention, because it's a hunting trail. Hector decided to look for the source of the rot. He said he wanted to move it away because it was foul. He wandered off where he believed it was coming from, and we paid little attention to where he was actually going. He never came back. After about 30 minutes of his absence, Randy noticed that he still hadn't returned, and the rot smell was still present. When we were alerted to this fact, we started to look for him, calling his name and leaving the trail. After a while of searching and walking around, we were lost. We couldn't remember which direction the trail was in. This resulted in an argument, which I was forced to break up, because it was the least productive thing we could be doing in that moment. When they stopped, my dad had the idea to try and listen for footsteps and follow whatever direction they were coming from. We all sat silent and a realization made my stomach sink. There was no noise at all. No wind, no rustling leaves, no birds singing, nothing. It was still and silent. I looked to the sky to see if there was an oncoming storm, but it was clear. We did hear footsteps after a couple of silent seconds. They were coming from a thicker part of the forest. By this point, it was becoming increasingly dark. So Randy pulled out his flashlight and turned it on. We made our way into the thicker part of the forest. We walked together so no one else would get lost. While looking around, I bumped into something wet. I was stunned, thinking that it must be tree sap. But when I heard Randy scream, I was plunged into fear. I slowly turned to look at what I had bumped into. When I laid eyes upon it, I proceeded to throw up the cheap snacks I had eaten earlier. It was skin strung up between two trees. Based on the face, I could tell it was Hector. My mind was flooded with thoughts. My dad told us that we needed to get out of the forest now. My dad reasoned where to go based on the direction the sun had set. Randy and I followed him out of desperation, not having any better ideas ourselves. We were swiftly moving through the trees, trying to get out as fast as possible. Occasionally a branch would snag my clothes or hit me in the face. I heard Randy scream from behind me, and when I turned around, something that was around eight feet tall had picked him up and was taking him away. My dad pulled out his rifle and opened fire. The noise that thing made still haunts my dreams. It was a mixture between several different animals screaming. When it turned around, I was able to get a good look at it. It had one eye in its head, and that was the only thing it had on its face. As far as proportions, its arms seemed longer than its body, although it was slouched over. The texture of its skin was oily, and it was dark gray in color. It rushed towards my dad at a blinding speed and grabbed him in front of me. It had dropped Randy, who was unconscious. I turned out my flashlight and I stood as still and as quietly as I possibly could. I heard it walk over to where it had dropped Randy. It picked him up again and stomped its way off deeper into the forest. 
After what felt like an eternity standing there, I slowly moved over to my dad, and I grabbed the truck keys off of his belt. I went in the direction he had suggested, slowly and carefully. He was right. I came out of the forest a couple of feet away from my dad's truck. I sprinted over to it and fumbled the keys until I could unlock it. I left the town. A couple of towns over, the police caught up to me because I was the primary suspect. However, after discovering the bodies in the shape they were in, I was let go. They were under the impression that no human could do that. I left Alabama altogether and live in Illinois now. To this day, I still wonder if that thing is still out there, preying on hunters unfortunate enough to get lost into the forest. For the sake of everyone there, I desperately hope not. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When I was four years old, my parents moved to a secluded town in the West Virginia outback. This was because Charleston was too noisy and too expensive for them. They wanted the quiet and privacy of the wooden town. I'm not going to say the name of the town here, so you don't go there and bother the people who live there. Our new house was two stories with four bedrooms. Two of the bedrooms were going to be converted into an office and a playroom. My parents both worked at home, so an office space for them was going to be very useful, and the playroom was for me to have all my toys and to not to bother to clean them up when I was done. I loved our house. There was nothing wrong with it, and in fact, it was the only place where I ever felt safe in that town. I started going to school at the normal age, and there weren't many other people, so making friends was easy, and by the time I was in sixth grade, I was friends with everybody at school. I started to dislike the town around age 12. Anytime I would walk to the bus stop in the morning, something always felt off. Sometimes the air was unnaturally still, despite the lack of an approaching storm. Sometimes the unusual bird songs would be present. Nothing ever felt quite right. I usually woke up for school around 6 a.m just to take a shower and then play on my DS before I had to go to school. My bus would arrive around 8.15, so I liked the extra time to myself. One day, however, I lost track of time, and I realized I missed the bus. School started at 9am, so no big deal. It wouldn't take too long for me to walk there. It was only a mile away. When I left the house that day, I once again felt the unease that I usually would whenever waiting for the bus in the morning. I brushed it off and began to walk. I distinctly remember it being silent and still that day. Although the town was tiny, you'd usually see people driving at this time in the morning, but the roads were empty, not even any kids walking to school. The walk felt like it took an eternity. It felt like something had been watching me that day, even when I was in school. I decided to sit away from the windows that day. That didn't help shake the feeling though. After class was over, I was waiting outside the school for my bus to arrive. 
I knew that something was watching me. It wasn't just a feeling anymore. It's like my mind was screaming at me to run, that whatever it was, was getting closer. Just then, I saw it. As one of the buses passed, I saw something that definitely wasn't human on the bus. Its skin was pitch black. It had white dots as eyes, and it watched me through the back window as the bus drove off. I was frozen with fear. I was snapped back into reality when the bus driver hollered at me to get on. That night, I couldn't sleep. I could only think about what I saw on that bus. In the morning, I decided to tell my parents that I felt sick and I didn't want to go to school. They gave me a look like they knew I was lying, but they let me stay home anyways, since I had all A's. All day, all I could think about was that thing. However, I didn't see it again until a few years later. It was late December and the last day of school before Christmas break, and in all of my classes, we just watched movies. I sat near a window and looked out at the falling snow, and saw it, about ten feet away from the window, staring at me. All of a sudden, I remember what I had seen a couple years ago. I don't know how long I stared, but after what seemed like an eternity, it turned and walked away into the snow. I got a better look this time. Its arms were nearly to the ground, its legs were always bent. It had a very noticeable slouch, and it was. I guess, seven or eight feet tall. I was terrified when I got home that day. My mind raced with questions. What was it? Why was it following me? When I walked through the doors that day, my mom immediately hugged me and made sure I was okay. I was extremely confused, and when I asked what was going on, they showed me what had been talked about on the local news. A 13-year-old kid had been found on a small road in the town. He had been mauled by something although they didn't show any pictures for obvious reasons. Police say it was most likely a bear. When I heard this, my stomach sank. I immediately jumped to the thought it was whatever had been watching me that day. My mom must have seen my pale face because she reassured me that everything was fine and the police would deal with it properly. I wanted to believe her, but I just couldn't. How were the police going to catch that monster? And if I even went as far as to tell police what I saw, would they believe me? I went up to my room and turned on Cartoon Network to try to calm myself down, but it didn't work. I eventually panicked myself to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night and Adult Swim was playing American Dad reruns. I decided to go to the kitchen to get some water. As I descended the stairs, I looked out the back porch window at the bottom of the stairs. And right there, staring in the window, was the monster. I instinctively ducked back up the stairs, and I peeked out to see if it had noticed me. It didn't seem like it did, because it was scanning back and forth, as if looking for me. My dad had a gun in his room, so being the stupid kid I was, I thought the best idea was to get it with said gun. I snuck into my parents' room and found the hiding spot for it. I made sure it was loaded, which it was and I crept back down the stairs. I peeked out towards the back door again, and it was gone. I slowly made my way into the kitchen, and I hid under the table, looking through all the windows to see if I could see it. Just then, I heard the front door open. I saw it slowly shamble as the door swung open. It walked around. I assumed it was looking for me. It walked up the stairs, and I heard my parents' door opening. 
My hands trembling as I slowly got out from under the table, I made my way over to the stairs. My parents' door was wide open. I saw the shadow against the dark blue in there. I knew that was it. I pointed the gun at the top of the stairs and pulled the trigger. Nothing happened because the safety was on. All that accomplished was that it noticed me. I saw it turn towards me. The white dots pierced into me. I fumbled the gun trying to turn the safety off. When I got it off, I looked back up and the door was closed. It took me an eternity to work up the courage to go up the stairs and open the door. When I did, it was gone. I nearly collapsed when I saw what it had done to my parents. I'll spare the details here because they still haunt me to this day. In short, it looked like a bear attack. I was only 16 at the time and had no job. I didn't want to be put in foster care and then become homeless, but I had no other choice other than to call the police. When they arrived, they asked me questions because they found me clinching a gun in my parents' room. They ruled me out as a suspect and, like I guessed, sent me to the foster care system. Luckily, I was adopted by people who only wanted older kids so they could give them a nice home. That was only four years ago, so the memories are still fresh in my head. I live in South Carolina now because my new family wanted to move me away from the place that was giving me so many bad memories. I can't ever thank them enough for taking me in. I haven't seen that thing since that day. I hope that by this point someone was able to get it. If not, well, we all know the answer to that.